Give me just a few moments of your time. I have a, a, a word uh, to, for you today from the Lord. And uh, in the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 143 and verse 7, this is what the Bible says, Psalms 143 and verse 7. I'll give you a moment to find it there. Because the Spirit of God began to deal with me, and I was meditating on this one day. I, I was receiving letters and emails from people that were having really severe difficulties handling attacks of the enemy that were coming against their mind and against their heart and against their spirit. And it's just like one sad letter, one sad email, one sad phone call after the other, after the other. And sometimes you get all these coming in at one time and you think, well, is this just a season of attack that people are going through? But then it starts happening every day, every day, every day, every week, every week, every week, every month, every month. And you say, okay, what's going on here? So I was sitting at my desk thinking, what is the number one weapon that Satan has? What is the one thing that does more damage than anything else in a person's life? What is the key that he has that unlocks a door to come into your life? What is it that keeps a door open? And I got to thinking, okay, before I read the verse, I got to thinking about, okay, let's talk about sin for a moment. We know that there's lust of the flesh, there's lust of the eyes, there's pride of life. And according to John, those are the three categories all sin falls into. You can go to the Garden of Eden. Eve saw the fruit, that's the lust of the eyes. Uh, Satan said, you'll be like God, that's the pride of life. And it's fruit to make one wise. And that's that we could put that in less to the flesh. You can, you can actually find the three categories in the sin in the Garden of Eden. Temptation of Jesus, you can find the three categories all over again. You read Matthew chapter 4. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple. He'll give his angels charge over thee. Then you say, bow down and worship me, Satan says. I'll make you a king over the entire world. Command these stones to be made bread. Break it down. You know what it breaks down to? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So I'm thinking about you know, different kinds of sins. And I'm thinking, okay, is that a major sin that's attacking people? Well, no, I can't say that. Well, is that a major sin that's attacking people? Well, no, I can't say that. And I'm sitting there thinking, and all of a sudden, Rhonda, God drops into my spirit one word. And when he dropped that word into my spirit, it is like a bomb going off inside of my belly. I jumped up, and it's like, it was like a screen. All of a sudden, I saw all these people's problems and realized there is only one word, one word that is the main issue that's preventing people from being delivered, that's preventing people from attending church this morning, that's preventing people from following through and really getting what they need from God. And I want to tell you, the word God gave me that is Satan's number one weapon. What is it, unforgiveness? No. It's called wounds. It's wounds. We have the women of hope here, and I will guarantee you that if I were to ask every lady who's gone through the program or in the program, come up here today, and I'm not going to do this, by the way. Come up here today, and I want you to tell me what you think was the one trigger that opened up a door for you to fall into maybe alcoholism or addiction of any kind, what was the one trigger? If you would trace it back, they will find there was one incident, one. Now, it may have been a buildup of things, but as they were building up, they still had it together. As it was building up, they could still emotionally take a grip. But one word, one statement... One person, one circumstance, one incident took you over the top, and it was a wound. Now, I'm gonna, I want to go into a detail. I want to explain this to you, what a wound is. I looked up the word, word wound in Hebrew. Now check this out. Everybody can check this out. The word wounds in Hebrew means crushed, smashed, dashed. Are you ready for this definition? To split the soul. Vision is focus. If I have 20-20 vision, it means I see clearly. There's a word called division or division that is to split the vision. Anything that God shows you about your future is a vision. Anything he shows you that you've not done but you know you're going to do it, that's your vision. 
The easiest way for Satan to sidetrack your vision is to give you another one. And when Satan gives you another vision, it's called division. This happens to pastors in churches. They pastor a church. They do well. Something happens. They say, well, I think I'm just going to go somewhere else. Well, God called you to the town and to the city. Of, it's going to be rough. You're going to have hard times. But if Satan wants to get you out of God's will where you're at, what will he do? Uh, hello, Pastor so-and-so. This is so-and-so from over here in South Florida. Boy, it's real beautiful down here. We have a church available, and I feel like that God wanted me to call you. Oh, Lord, now I'm going to really have to pray. Why? Well, I know God called me pastor to Cleveland, Tennessee. Well, he even gave me some property. But, you know, it's just not going well, so maybe I've missed God. And maybe I ought to pray about the Florida thing. I remember years ago, this happened to me. I'll get on the wounds in a minute. Let's talk about vision for a minute. I remember years ago, I preached for a great man of God. In fact, my wife will remember this. I preached for a great man of God, and he came to me. I'd go up there and preach, and he'd say, Now, you know, brother, one day I'm going to retire, and I need somebody to take this church over. And five to, what was the honey? Five to eight years. For five to eight years, he's a great, oh, this is a great church. I mean, anybody would love to pastor. It's a great city. It has notoriety. It has thousands of members. It seats 5,000 or 6,000 people. I don't know. It depends on how many you want to put in there. So he's telling me, you need to really pray about coming up here. Have you prayed about it yet? Has God spoke to you yet? So you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. God gave me Voice of Evangelism, the name, when I was 18. Then he told me in a prayer meeting in 88, I'd have a program named Manifest. I've got a facility here that's paid for. I've got a full-time staff. Lord, I don't understand. Why would you be giving me all of this here and then opening up something way up the road 8, 10, 12 hours away? And you know what happened? I had division. When you have division, you will get frustrated. And the Bible says you should not frustrate the grace of God. And the way you frustrate the grace of God is having so many directions that you're being pulled in, and you're really not sure which direction you're supposed to be going. Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? This voice is saying this. My friends are saying that. My family's telling me this. So you don't know which direction you're supposed to go. I finally made up my mind. I talked to my wife, and she said, you just need to make up your mind. Do you think God called you here? Yeah. God gave you voice of evangelism. Yeah. God told you manifest. Yeah. Well, just stay here and do what you're supposed to do. The moment I'm telling you, the moment I made up my mind and said, I am going to stay here and do what I'm supposed to do, all the pressure left me about that other vision. I didn't think about it. I've never thought about it since then. I've never been interested in going to that area since then. And so the point that I want to make is this. To split the soul. The soul in the Bible, you have body and soul and spirit. Your body is your flesh. Kind of poke your neighbor. Don't hurt him. See, that's their flesh that you're feeling right there, okay? Now, your, your spirit is the part of you that looks just like you. If it jumped out of your body, it would look like your twin. It's the breath and life of God that was breathed in you from the time you were conceived in your mother's womb. But the soulish nature is the five senses, the mind, and the brain. The hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching is linked to the mind, to the brain. So when it talks about splitting the soul, it means that a wound divides you. A wound, for example, will cause you to want to be loyal to God, but at the same part time, loyal to your bondage. A split soul will cause you at one moment to love to be in God's presence, but next week you won't feel like you want to be in God's presence. A wound will cause you at one moment, split soul, to reach out to God for help, but a week from now, saying, I don't know if I want this. I'm ready to quit and give up. The problem is a split soul. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have a split soul? Think about it for just a moment. Do you have a split soul? This is the spiritual struggle that you see in the old cartoon of the man that's looking at something that, and the angel is on one shoulder saying, don't do it. Come on. And the little demon, remember, with the pitchfork and the tail, <laughs> is saying, go ahead. You want to do it. The split soul is the inability to be able to make a decision and stick with your decision. Because here's what the Bible said. A double-minded. Oh, did you hear it? 
We're talking about split soul, double-minded. It's split soul. A double-minded man will be unstable in all of his ways. Now, the reason some of you may be struggling right now is you're two-souled. You have a split soul. You've got a double mind. I'm talking to somebody. I wish you'd get the halo off your head here today and drop those angels' wings down so I could preach to you just a little bit here. You see, a young person will come under what's called peer pressure. And they will show up at a school and someone will say, hey, man, I know you go to church, but let's go do this. And you're saying to yourself, oh, man, if I get stuck with that bunch, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to go over there and they're going to be doing this and this. And I know it's really not something I want to do, but I want to be liked by them. What do you have? You got a split soul. So instead of being loyal to what you know is right and to the focus that you're on, somebody comes along and splits your soul. Oh, it's good preaching, Brother Stone. Amen. Let's go on. And then, then, then that's where, and guess what happens when you get a soul split? Then you go do what you shouldn't do. Then you feel miserable. Then you say to yourself, why did I do that? That was the dumbest thing I could have done. Why in the world am I doing that? Because you've got a split soul. Because a party, we call it the spiritual man versus the carnal man, or the spiritual nature versus the carnal nature. Now, going back to the original intent of this message, wounds. What are wounds? Wounds can only be caused by two things, words or actions. That's it. Words that are spoken to you in an improper manner or hurting words can damage your soul and split it then actions certain type of actions actions would be like abuse it could be molestation it could be a young girl that is raped it could be a boy that was molested by a man when he was young and so what happens it creates a wound in the soul so physical abuse or rejection of any kind can put a wound down in your spirit now here's what happens I want you to follow me because the Lord really gave me this word to speak uh, several weeks ago and I want to share with you today what does a wound do Now, anybody that said sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I'm convinced the man or woman who said that little proverb was deaf. They were deaf. They had no clue the words being spoken, so they just came up with some little proverb and wrote it out. Because I'm going to tell you, it is a lie that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words, let me tell you, words start wars. (laughs) Words get people killed on the road when somebody says, what are you doing? Pull out in front of me. Bam. Words, tempers flare. (laughs) Tempers flare. People get mad. Folks say things, and they say things many times they shouldn't say. So wounds hurt. Now, here's what a word, here's what a wound word, or a, is that all right? (laughs) I get tongue twisted here. A wound a wound word wounds the spirit, but I'm going to show you how it happens. Now, you're a body, you're a soul, and you're a spirit. And I think it was Dr. Paul Walker, I think, that I heard talk about this one day, about the you are two-thirds emotion. We are not two-thirds flesh and one-third emotion. The body is the one-third flesh, but the soul and spirit is a third and a third. So you're a third and a third and a third. You're a third body, a third soul, and a third spirit, and you make up one person called a human. Your little egg. Your little egg this morning. That's right. You're a shell and a yolk and a white. You can take an egg and divide it up, can't you? You break an egg, you lay the shell there, you separate the yolk from the white, and you can cook the white and cook the cook the yolk. You can put the yolk in the cake, or you can put the white in the cake. See, it's one. It's an egg when you hold it up, but it can be divided into three parts. You got me? That's your body, soul, and spirit. So you're two-thirds emotion. What does it mean to be two-thirds emotion? All right, here it is. It is a normal thing for you to express emotion. When you do not express emotion, honestly, it's not normal. When you see people go through things and they don't respond at all and they're like numb, you say, something must be wrong, something must be wrong, something must be wrong. For example, let's just get a little illustration here. The Alabama-Tennessee football game. <laughs> uh, here we go. Now, my wife, y'all, please don't fall out with me. Don't, don't, don't fall out with me. But my wife is a, I, I like to tide, but she's radical tide, roll tide, radical, 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 okay? 
And people think because we live in Tennessee, you got to be a Tennessee fan. She says, nope, nope, first thing she does, no, I'm an Alabama fan. Alabama, when they were lousy, when they were bad, I said, you need to change team. She says, Alabama people never give up because the tide will always come back. You know, that's how, and they did, they did, okay. But let's imagine that we're going to, and of course, because they're in the same league, they don't, but the, an SEC championship. So in other words, we're coming in knowing whoever wins at Tennessee or Alabama, one of them is going to go in, go to Georgia. It is the fourth quarter. There are three seconds left. It's a tie game. Tennessee is on the one-yard line. All the fans are standing with bated breath. And the Tennessee quarterback fakes to the back and runs a bootleg around the right side and jumps over and three inches makes the ball in, and all of a sudden the hands go up. It's a touchdown. And the Tennessee fans, Neyland Stadium is about to collapse. And I felt it a few times when I've been there, you know. And all of a sudden, there you are, the radical Tennessee fan. You got an orange fan, baby. You got you painted your house orange in honor of Tennessee. You wear orange socks with a black suit. You come to church with an orange hat on. Your wife wears an orange dress, and it's not even Halloween. Now, you're radical. And all of a sudden, here it is. They're going to go to the SEC championship, and you do this. That's pretty cool, what? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad. People are going to look at you and say, Come on, stand up! What's the matter with you? Get up and shout! Why? Because it's normal. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. It's normal to go to something like that and just cut loose and uninhibited, and be emotional. And be emotional. Scream. Boy, we went to one game one time. I don't know who the guy was. I hope he's not in the building when I tell this story. But the bank in town, we did a lot of business. The bank lady said, we got some tickets to four to the Tennessee-Alabama game. Can you all go? I was off that weekend. So we go, and we have to sit right in the Tennessee section. All right? So there's four Alabama fans in the Tennessee section. There was a fan. You ever heard of the obnoxious fan? Never in the history of the world has there been a fan. There was a Tennessee fan, but if Tennessee made three yards, he'd jump up and scream, oh, What's the matter with you, you bunch of fools? You should have got three more. Uh, and what in the honey? He was loud, he screamed, and he got after the second quarter, even the Tennessee people were looking at each other shaking their head because he was so obnoxious. So finally, in the third or fourth quarter, I'd had it. Now, here I am. I'm on TV all over the world, and there are people behind me over here. Hey, Brother Stone, watch me. Hey, Brother, how you doing? Okay, fine. So everybody got their eye on you. I had it. And he jumps up, and he says, he turns around and says, maybe we ought to fire the coach. And I jumped up and said, no, maybe we need to kick the stupid fan out of the stadium. And everybody behind me and around me goes. <laughs> Say this. It's normal to have emotion. You ever gone to a funeral? Funerals are sad. I don't like them. Especially if you really knew the person. But you ever go to a funeral? And here's a husband who's passed away. And the wife comes in. And always, everyone I've been to, she's broken. This is her husband laying here. Now, he's in heaven, but she, look, she's, she, she's thinking, I'm going to miss him. What am I going to do with the kids? She's crying. She's sitting in a chair. You're passing over. She's hugging everybody. Picture the wife after a 30-year marriage coming in like this. Wow! Hallelujah! Mm, thank you. Well, hon, what's, what's wrong? No, ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong? You know, how, you know what kind of insurance money he left me? <laughs> I'm going to get that house and that car. I've been wanting. Thank you, Jesus. There's nobody that would look at that woman. They'd say, their whole marriage was hypocrisy. She always bragged on how she loved him. She didn't love him. Do you know what they'd say? She just married him for the money. Would they not say that? Now she comes in. Oh, baby. Oh, my honey. Oh, my God. Oh, she just loved him. She, oh, look at her heart's breaking. She just loved him. Did you hear about the... Did you hear about, did, did you hear about the husband, the wife? This is a true story. This is in Reader's Digest. My granddad told me about it. Did you hear the woman that had dying with cancer? 
and the husband, they were in the house, and she's laying in the bed, and she's really got cancer. And they're talking about the departure. She says, baby, when I go, you get married. I want you to be happy. No, no, baby. No, baby, I ain't never going to marry again. Ain't nobody like you. I'm No, it's not going to happen. Yes, now, honey, I want you to be happy. You need somebody to cook for you. Oh, honey, I'll eat at restaurants the rest of my life. There's no way. I can't let nobody in that kitchen. Are you kidding me? Oh, it went on and on. And she's wanting him to, you know, remarry. And he's saying, I'll never remarry. And I'm going to be faithful to you. And I want to see you in heaven. And all of a sudden, she makes a statement. Says, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. When I go, don't you dare let another woman have my golf clubs. And that's when he said, oh, don't worry about that. She's left-handed. And she just remembered when he said that, that Miss So-and-so, the widow, lived three doors down and liked to golf and was left-handed. And she looked at him and said, you sorry dog, I ain't leaving. She, she, this is in Reader's Digest years ago. She pulled the covers back. She got out of bed and she outlived him. Talk about him. Listen, we'll talk about emotion for a moment because we're going somewhere. If your wife, who's very touchy, you know, you know what I mean by touchy feely, you know, affection, grab, oh, always, go, oh, baby, I love you, mom, she's kissing you. All of a sudden, you go through 15 years of marriage like that, and for a week she comes in. How you doing? How you doing, hon? Glad you're here. Oh, everything going good? Great. She goes a week like that, you're going to think she's depressed or something's wrong, right? Because you, you, ex, you, you, you expect people, when it comes to love, to show what? Emotion. Now let's talk about church for a moment. Found out a long time ago, the majority of church problems are not spiritual. 90% of all church problems are emotional, have nothing to do with spiritual. For example... Those lights are too bright. I wish they shut those lights down. Oh, how come we're worshiping in the dark? How does that get you closer to God? I wish the air units worked better. I'm, I'm so hot right here having hot flashes. I need some air to get them. Oh, I wish they'd, get, I wish they'd cool this place down. I, you know, too hot, too cold. Too loud, not loud enough. Too long. Too short. Talk about music. Talk about preaching. Why can't he preach like the pastor across town 25 minutes? Because the pastor across town probably ain't got but 25 minutes worth of stuff to say. But I'm not I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in town, just so you'll know, okay? I mean, I'm trying to illustrate something. I love everybody in town. Now, here, here's what I'm going to say. All of those, I lost my parking spot. I lost my seat. Some visitor to, that has nothing to do with spirituality. That's not a demon manifesting. That's people's emotions. Preach on. Well, so here's what happens. Let's go back to the wound. Wounds affect the emotion because a wound would never hurt you if you were not emotional creature. Let me say it again. If you were not an emotional creature built by the Lord to have emotion, express emotion, to be able to cry, to be able to laugh, to be able to jump, to be able to smile, to be able to frown when you're in, if you did not have emotion, then sticks and stones would break your bones, but words and actions would never hurt you. But if you did not have emotion, can I tell you this? You'd be a zombie. You, you, you would have no feeling whatsoever. It is very, the Bible said, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. If you don't have any friends, it might be because you're not pursuing any friends. Because you've got to make yourself available to people and talk to people to have friends. Oh, go ahead. Now, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear it? Let me show you what happens to you when you get wounded. If you are a young person and you thought you fell in love and the person just dumps you, 
Listen to me. I don't care what you say. It's going to create a wound in you because the wound in an 18-year-old in that relationship is just as real to them as you that just went through a divorce. You're telling your child, oh, get over it. Wait a minute. What if they looked at you after your husband walked out and said, Mama, just get over it. You're looking at what do you mean just get over it? We've been married for all these. And you just lay into them because you'd want the, you, they'd want you to get over it. You're looking at them and say, I'll get over it. That's just another boy. Well, to them or to her, it was not just another boy. I'm talking to you here now. Or it was not just a girl. They really had a relationship and an emotional tie built in. Maybe it was a soul tie, but they had it built in. So when that thing broke, it was a real problem to them, and it was a real wound to them. Watch what happens. Ready? Wounds make holes in the soul. And I want to show some of you why you can't maintain victory. Here's the reason why you can't maintain victory. Anybody, anybody ever been in a house that had more than three bedrooms? Visiting or anybody ever been in one? I know women of hope have more than three. But anybody ever been in a house? Raise your hands. You ever been in a house that had three bedrooms or more? Okay. You ever been in a house that had at least three bathrooms? Raise your hand. What happens when everybody decides to take a shower at the same time? Don't you hate it? Don't you want to be the first one to get in there? All of a sudden, you found out five other people are ahead of you, and you're just sitting there saying, so much for this. And you just turn it on, and you jump in and jump out, right? Because what happens? You got five separate faucets, and you got one water heater source. Now watch. If I got one bathroom, my water heater source is going to run to one source, and that's going to be the one. If I have two, then it gets bigger and bigger. So all of a sudden, what happens is, because five showers are going all at once instead of one, my water heater is going to pour out what's in it faster than normal. Here's what happens. You've got an emotional hole in your spirit, and you're in a service where the joy of the Lord is being released. And all of a sudden, you tap into it, and you say, oh, all of a sudden, God, I feel relieved. And then you start thinking about your wound. And as you think about your wound, the water from the faucet, come on, from the water heater, is now going into, oh, help me, Jesus, when I say this. See, if I'm a whole person, if I feel like, look, I got victory over that, that's in the past. I ain't living in my past. I'm not messing with those people. That's all said and gone. Don't even bring it up to me. I don't want to hear about it. If I can live that way, then when I have joy, I maintain the joy I feel because I'm not, because the joy is going to minister to my spirit, which is whole. So I will walk out of here with joy and I can hold on to it all day, all night, and get up in the morning and still have a little bit of it. But... If joy is being manifested, everybody's shouting praising God, but I'm sitting there thinking about my wound, then the joy he pours into me is pouring out of me through the hole in my soul. I have peace. I come to the house of God because, I, man, I got to have church. I just got to be in God's presence today. But I'm sitting there. Believe me, I've been through this. And the peace of God, they're singing a song, and all of a sudden you feel that warm feeling, and you begin to weep a little bit, Right? Suddenly you say, oh, Lord, I just need this. Then as you say that, as the peace of God is going to minister to your soul and spirit to mend and heal and refresh, it's like a bomb. Anybody ever been there? And man, you leave, oh, I just needed that. I just feel, I just, now I can just, now I can sleep tonight finally. But all of a sudden, hole number one, what about that? Hole number two, oh, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't you? Hole number three. And the whole time you're sitting in church, the, the joy and the peace, the love starts leaking out and you can only maintain it for 10, 15, or 20 minutes at the most. And as you worry about the wounds and as you worry about what's happening, instead of letting God's gifts and spirit minister to that hole and stitching you up you keep it open and you come on you become a leaky christian come on you become oh that's all right now what you have to watch 
is if you're wounded, is that your hurt is so real to you and you see others being healed that you start resenting that they're getting healed faster than you. This happens to people that are new converts. I've watched this in the churches for 34 years I've preached. New convert comes in, just been saved a month, and gets a brand new job, paying better than anybody else in the church. And all of a sudden, finds a house. They say, here comes the convert. Pastor, I just want to testify. Man, now, this is not true about Cleveland. We got 20% unemployment in town, but I want to tell you, I went down into that new factory that's hiring only 300 people, and they hired me immediately, and I'm making more money than they ever made. And you went down there five times to that factory to get a job, and they ain't called you back. You've been tithing and serving God for many years. So what happens with you is this. Well, I just don't understand why the Lord would take somebody who's just been saved and bless them and not bless me. Maybe it's because the one that just got saved has got pure, absolute faith in God, and God's been hearing you run your mouth. I went to one town, people had lost their job. I said, how many of you have lost your job? You know, there's probably 25 people raised their hand. I said, be honest. I said, don't you hide it. Be honest. How many of you used to complain about your job all the time? 23 out of 24 raised their hand. I said, then don't complain about losing it. I said, don't complain. I said, God heard you every day do this. I just hate this job. I just hate this job. Oh, I wish I had another job. I said, I said you had to lose it because you'd have never left it if you hadn't lost it. You'd have stayed there for security and just kept it and kept on complaining. So God just said, okay, whoop, out you go. And now you're going to have to pray to find the one that you like. Oh, come on. I'm preaching here whether you want to hear it or not. Now, that doesn't happen to people always. I'm not saying anyone lost a job. Please understand that. But I'm saying wounds leave holes if you don't get stitched up inside then everything god tries to do with you spiritually it just leaks out before the day is over and you get up oh i feel great today praise god i'm gonna have a great day today well things don't go right oh well what happened i'm just depressed what happened to you holes 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 now listen a wound unhealed will eventually lead to offense you will eventually become easily offended when people try to stitch you up. I feel the anointing right here. I don't know about you. I'm feeling something stirring in the spirit. So people come along trying to stitch you up, but the wound is so big now that you're offended toward your mom and dad who mistreated you. You're offended by the fact that you're not healing as fast as everybody else. You're offended by the fact that Brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so got a breakthrough and you've been praying for a breakthrough for two months and you still ain't got your breakthrough. So now you're mad at God and you're mad at people and you're mad at the church. Now you are offended. Let me tell you what offended means. It's the Greek word scandalon. And you probably heard Sister Rhonda teach this or Brother Hank teach this. Scandalon is a trap or a snare, but more specifically, it's the bait that was put on a trap or a snare to draw the animal to the trap. An offense, the purpose, the satanic purpose of an offense is to draw you into Satan's trap. To bait you in, to get you in. Here's why. Because the Bible said in Proverbs 18, 19, an offended brother is harder to win than a strong city. Why is an offended person harder to get out of the offense? Ready? Because the strong cities years ago had walls on them. And once they shut the gate and put the wall up, you couldn't get out and something on the outside couldn't get in. So when you start putting walls up in your life, you know what you're doing? You're shutting yourself in. You got to walk. Okay, I'm going to put a wall around me. I'm going to shut myself in. What that means is now you can't get out of the own wall you build. You put a barrier up and now you're one help, but you can't even get out of it because you got so many walls up, you can't get out. But the real problem is when you put your little walls up, everybody on the outside trying to help you, you ain't letting them in. The Bible said when you get offended, it's harder to get them back than a walled city. Because why did they build walls? They built walls so that at night they locked the gate and nobody could get out. But they did it specially so nobody could get in. And your walls that you build, whether they're emotional or spiritual or offense, when you build them, you don't understand what you're doing sometimes. The very people who love you the most, you're not letting them in the door. The very people, the very people who are really behind the scenes watching out for you, 
And the people that are back in the back just saying, come on, you can do it, you can do it. You got your wallet. You don't even hear what they're saying. Now, once you go from offense, it gets dangerous because here's what can happen. If you move from offense, the last stage is unforgiveness. Now, here's what the Bible says in the book of Matthew. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but about one minute. It says that if I get in on, man, this is one thing God showed me years ago. And I, I literally do, I guard myself against unforgiveness. I choose to forgive crazy people. <laughs> I do. I choose to do it. I say, okay, God, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to release them, and I'm letting them go. I'm just not going to get in this. Here's the reason why. I had this happen to me one time. I had a situation, we'll go into detail, where I felt like I was totally wrong by somebody, and I started talking it. I started talking about the person. I started talking about them. I wanted to defend myself, and I lost the anointing for a month. I lost it. It left me like it left Samson. And I preached and felt nothing, and I preached and felt nothing, and I called altar calls. Did y'all know me back then? And I felt nothing. And one service on a Sunday morning in Alabama, I was preaching, laid the microphone, I laid the microphone down, grabbed my Bible, and walked out the door. And had people chasing me, my closest friends. What's wrong? What's wrong? I've never seen you do that. What's wrong? And what did I do? I brought it up. I tell you what's wrong. <laughs> Finally, on a, in a, in, before the Daisy Revival years ago, I'm telling all the young people from Lee's, five of them there. Oh, here's what happened. Here's what happened. They said, Why don't you pray about it? I didn't want to pray. I wanted retaliation. I wanted God to kill him. Oh, don't look at me like you're an angel. Now, get the halo off now. Come on. No, I, I was so hurt because my name was being blasted, and I was being accused of stuff I didn't even do, and I couldn't defend myself because rumors travel faster than good news. That's what made me mad. People thinking stuff about me that wasn't true. That's what made me mad. And I said, God, how come you ain't doing something about it? I was mad at, God's mad at everybody. Got, down that, got in that revival, got in the back of the church at a prayer meeting. It, it snowed, and the, the league uh, kids that came to the revival got stuck. And we were the only ones in the church. And Dr. Khan said, stay there, don't come back, or whoever the dorm person was said that. So they stayed down there, and we prayed. And I got in the back of the church, and God spoke to me and said, why don't you quit feeling so sorry for yourself? Oh, but God, you don't know what I've been. And then I stopped and thought, uh-oh, that ain't a good statement to make. Telling God, you don't know what I've been through. You know, the one that hung the stars on nothing, tells them all by their name, knows the number of hairs on your head, and you're telling God, you just don't know what I'm going through. He said, why don't you start bragging about me? And I did. I said, he's the Alpha, he's the Omega. It started out like that. He's the beginning and the end, the bridegroom, the chief. And by the time I got to the end of that thing, I named everything I could think about God, every good name I could think, everything I could brag on him. I got to the end of that, and somebody, and I think it was Faith Cutshaw. She, she wasn't Cutshaw then, Brian, Brian Cutshaw's future wife. She's on the piano, a little redheaded girl. She's playing. She gives a message in tongues, and Victor Bacon, you remember Victor? He gives interpretation. says, thus says the Lord, because you've humbled yourself and you've cried out to me, I'm going to give you the greatest revival you ever had. And I fell out in the back laughing. <laughs> I've been to that church before. They reminded me of the children of Israel on the 39th year before God killed all of them. That's what they reminded me of. And I said, not here, God. God, I'm sorry. Poor little Victor up there. He meant well. But on Thursday night, the first week of that revival, it filled up and the thing went eight weeks. And for those of you that know anything about that revival, Tony McAfee got the baptism. Chris Goins got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All kinds of young men that are preaching now got called to preach. And I'm going to tell you what, if I had not gotten that back and released that thing to God, that revival would have probably been dead. I'd have probably shut it down because God wasn't going to bless me in the condition I was in. So see, here's the deal. If you, if you can't get rid of the offense, what's going to happen is you're going to get none for you. You know who you're hurting. You're not hurting the person. The Bible said this, if you don't learn to forgive, I'll let a tormenting spirit get a hold of you. Read it in Matthew's God. That's a scary verse. And that's why people can't sleep at night. And they're so tormented. And they're so troubled. And they're so confused. Because the Lord says, I, can't touch, I cannot touch you. I cannot bless you. And I can't deliver you or break you through till you say, God, all that mess. Take it out of me right now and for just, I want to forgive everybody. I don't want to bring it up. When you start really releasing with your mouth and with your heart, whoo, you set something in motion that is supernatural. I've been there. I know what I'm telling you. Because here's what happens. Stay with me now. I'm almost done. Stay with me though. If you go from a wound, the wound makes the hole. 
If, if the hole doesn't get hurt, it creates the offense. If the offense continues, it makes unforgiveness. Let me tell you, the final spirit the devil will put on you. Everybody ready? Hopelessness. When you finally get to a spirit of hopelessness, that's where people become suicidal. Or that's where people become so addicted, they don't care. They just, want, they just want, to, they want to stay high. They don't want to think about it. They don't have to deal with it. The spirit of hope, listen, hope deferred makes the soul sick. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. Here's the thing. My goodness. A person will never, now everybody listen to this. I want everybody to hear me. A person will never take their life or think about it as long as they think they've got a future. Do you know what they're worried about in Tuscaloosa, Alabama right now? They've got doctors and psychiatrists going down there because they said when people lose everything they got, the first thing is shock. Okay? Then adrenaline kicks in and they want to find everything. But after two weeks, when they sit down and say, oh my Lord, the insurance company hadn't got here yet. We have nowhere to live. We've lost our food. I don't even know where my checkbook is. They can't see a future. And suicides go up after what we've had in this town and that the worst, second worst storm in, in, in history probably that we know of, those kind of storms. The greatest thing people battle, not immediately, because the adrenaline is on them so high and the adrenaline high comes down, they'll battle suicide. You know why? Hopelessness. Oh, God, it took me five years to build this house. I can't go through this. I can't do I just can't do this. The greatest enemy of the wound, now listen, of the wound is to have you take it to the level of feeling hopeless. Because I want everybody to listen to Everybody clean your ears out, please. As long as you have that much hope, that much, that's all you need. You ever, heard, you ever heard Jesus say, if you have the faith, the green of a mustard seed, you shall say, you know what a mustard seed looks like? It looks like a piece of pepper. I've been to Israel 34 times. I've seen mustard trees. I've opened the, the little bud up. It's the size of a grain of pepper. And Jesus says, that's all you need to move a mountain. Stop think. That's all, all you need. Just give me, just show me. Show me with your mouth and your actions. Just show me that much that you believe me. And give me some time to work with you. And he says, I'll get that thing out of your way. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain, be removed. Speak to the mountain. It'll be removed. In the name of Jesus, it's going to be removed. That much, that much. See, hope, hope, hope. If I can, if I can get in you that much hope. Just see that? See that? See that? See that? that? A hair? Pull a hair out of your head. That's how much you need. Then you will never take your life. You will say to yourself, I can do this. You will say to yourself, it may take me some time. But I'm changing my life because I am not going to be what I was. And all you need. Because let me tell you something. Here are people who flunked. Poet Carl Sandburg flunked English at West Point. Albert Einstein did not talk till he was three. Einstein failed his first college examination and never learned to drive a car. E equal MC, what is it, two or three, which one? Yeah, yeah, what do I know? You know, this great genius. Look at this. Albert Einstein was given a $1,500 check, used it as a bookmark, and forgot where he put the book. It was a grant somebody gave him. He used it for a bookmark and never could find the book. He's a genius. Clark Gable, remember him, Gone with the Wind, failed his first screen test because his ears were too big. Henry Ford wanted to sell watches instead of invent cars. And when he made his very first car, he forgot to put reverse in it. That's hilarious. Okay, boys, pick it up. Let's turn it around and get it out of the driveway. Thomas Edison failed a thousand times to invent the light bulb. When they asked, when they said, Edison, you failed a thousand times. No, he said, no, I didn't. I succeeded once. So how you look at it? Thomas Jefferson suffered migraine headaches all of his life 
and it took him 18 days to write the Declaration of Independence. Andrew Johnson, president, didn't learn to read or write till he was a married man. Edgar Allan Poe, listen to this. Poe was a schizophrenic. Do y'all know that? I mean, Poe had some really, but watch this. Edgar Allan Poe, it took him 10 years to write The Raven, and he got $10 for it. That was like a huge, you know, that thing went worldwide, right? He was so poor at one time, he, had, he, he ate dandelions for nine days, and he even got expelled from West Point in 1831, and yet he became one of the most genius writers there. Look at what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to say. If you look at all these people, oh, he failed, he failed, he failed. It's not failing right now. It's not the failure you have been through. It's not the failure you're experiencing. You can say to yourself, yes, I have failed, flunked, messed up, broke, busted, and disgusted, but there is a God. There's a God. A man who became a multimillionaire failed at everything he did till he was 65 years of age and got his first Social Security retirement. I mean, literally, flunked everything. I got a list of everything he did awful. He can only do one thing right, fried chicken. And he did it by a hot pot boiling it a certain way, and he had 11 different, 11 or 16 different spices that he came up with, and so he went on the side of the road. That's before restaurants, and was people would drive. He'd say, fried chicken, and they'd see that sign, fried chicken, just ahead. And they said, man, you need a restaurant. So he went to Kentucky and opened up a restaurant. The rest is history. Colonel Harlan Sanders failed at everything he did, but the white cane, white shirt, white beard man became a millionaire because he knew how to fry chicken. He should have been frying chicken when he was 18. I'm trying to show you, listen to me, this is a word from God. Your life is not what you see right now. Your life is not where you're at right now. Your life is out there in the future of what God has for you. Oh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Tell you a quick story. I promise I'm almost done. Got two things to show you. When I was in school, high school, <laughs> I hated English. I hated it so bad that I shouldn't even say this. Okay, my boy's in college. My girl's home, being homeschooled, I guess I can say it. But I hated it so bad that I wanted out of class. So help me, if any of you kids do this, it ain't wasn't me. We had metal desks. I started a fire in a metal desk to get thrown out of class. Pam, did you know that happened to me? I probably never told you that. Some things I don't want to tell my kids. Principal called me in and expelled me for three days. I was never so glad to leave. I really was. I was I was just, I don't know. And my mama, my mom, my dad, and of course my dad beat the tar, out, tar, uh, the tar out of me, tar. You know, He beat something out of me. I don't know what it was. Come on, how many, how many remember those days? Before, that's, back in the days when you could spank your kids without being arrested, huh? Okay, I got a bruising when I got home. Took me three or four days to recover. I'm glad I wasn't in school. I'd have to go to gym class with stripes on my legs. <laughs> huh? Anybody been there? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> mama sits down. She's so, you know, dad's up there beating me. And I come, ooh, mom says, sit down. I want to ask them. She says, don't you want to be good at English? You may have to use it one day. And I looked at my mom and I said, I want to tell you something. I'm going to play sports or I'm going to be an architect. And I don't need to know how to write. I don't need to know how to study. And I don't need to know how to talk to anybody because I ain't never going to do it. <laughs> 65 books later. And our, and our last one, I said this for the glory of God, our last one came within three weeks in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Of being a New York Times bestseller and was the number one seller in Walmart. Purging your house, pruning your family tree. Number, Christian, I should say Christian, clarify, Christian seller. And I, I laughed at that the other day, and I said, well, Lord, that's pretty good for a boy that flunked English. What does that mean? That means God is the one who takes all your failure and says, would you quit worrying about it? 
Learn all you can learn. Pray all you can pray. Believe all you can believe. Hang around people that can help you and let me do the rest. Somebody needs to give him praise in this house. I'm going to give you a verse and two things. Psalms 1, Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is near those that are of a broken heart and save those, saves those of a contrite spirit. Isaiah 42 and 3. A bruised reed shall he not break, nor a smoking flax he shall not quench, till he brings forth judgment unto truth. I want to talk for about two minutes on the bruised reed and the smoking flax. What, is, what does God mean when he says the bruised reed he'll not break? Along the Jordan River in Israel, if you ever go there, you're going to find tall reeds. They grow all the way from the Galilee area, all the way along the Jordan River, all the way toward the Dead Sea where the Jordan River empties out. It's a custom, they still do this, but during the feast days it was a custom for all the people to travel along the Jordan River many times because it was a water source, especially for your animals and so on. And they would take these reeds and break them down and cut them a certain way. And they put holes in the top and they make flutes. And to this day in Israel, you'll have a little, we call them little peddlers, they're young boys, that's how they make their living. And they have a whole pile of flutes in there, you know, Jordan Reed flute. Now, I never buy one because I don't know how many nasty tourists have had their lips on it. And he's been blowing it too. I don't want no hepatitis spreading to me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, that's the, now, if you cut the hole wrong, you can split the reed. And you know what they did with it? Toss it away. You know why they tossed it? Because they can get another one. What does it mean, a burning flax, he will not quench oil lamps? I could have brought one with me. I've got a bunch of real ones. Oil lamps made of clay with a hole in top where you pour the oil. And right over here in the front end, there's another hole. And you took flax, spun flax, and you took it and you dip it in oil and you put it in the top of the lamp and you light it. And so what happens? It begins to draw the oil into that flax, and as long as it's drawing oil, it burns. When it starts getting low on oil, black soot, you all know what I'm talking about. If you ever had, you, uh, had cold furnaces years ago, that black soot suddenly comes on the wall, and it just gets nasty, and it gets where it's hard to breathe. What do they do? You know what to do? They don't throw the lamp away. They throw the flax away, and they just throw it away, and they get them a new one and put it in. Now, everybody hear this is what the prophet of God is saying. The burning flax that produces the soot is a picture of people who are burnt out with life. They've drained all the oil out, right, Pastor? All the oil that was in the lamp, they've drained out. They have no anointing. They have no joy. They have no peace. If they say they're saved, they say they have a covenant with God, and they're just, they're done with it. The bruised reed are the bruises that come so hard in your life that you feel like, I'm not, I'm not good for anything anymore. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. I can't keep a job. So you feel like you're worth being thrown away. And the Lord says, now you hear it, hear it. He says, when the reed, because you see, the reed produces the music, but the lamp produces the light. So he says, when your light goes out, are you hearing it? And when you have no longer have a song and you can't sing, I am not going to throw you away. I love it. I'm going to restore your song. I'm going to take the flax and refurbish the flax and I'm going to put the new oil in and your light's going to burn again. You give up on yourself before God ever gives up on you because he won't. He's not going to do it. What you have to deal with is the whole and you have to let the Holy Spirit, by releasing your past and releasing people, you start the healing process of God stitching up the holes. And as one hole gets stitched and it's cured, then over here this one gets stitched in your soul and it's cured. You start feeling healing come. You start feeling strength come. You start really thinking clearly. You start thinking rationally. You start praying effectively. And you, you get up one day and you look at yourself and say, wow, was that me? Was that me three years? Was that really me three That was me? Wow, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Let's, let's raise our hands and pray right here. 
just everybody join with me. Let's approach the Lord together. Would you do that? Gracious God in heaven, in the name of Jesus. This message that's come out of my spirit, my heart today, God, I pray that it will really touch. Everybody keep praying. Everyone who needed this word, just come up here to the front. Let's, let's, let's pray for everyone that needed this word today. If there's something in this word you need to hear, come right now. And then we're going to pray. The Lord just checked me and said, get, get the ones up here. Get the ones up here that know this is for them. Hallelujah. Ooh. Spirit of the living God, in the name of Jesus, this is your moment to minister. Your moment, not mine, your moment. Hallelujah. Everybody, if you'll stand up and just lift your hands like a canopy and over top of every person that's here. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, you that are standing here, let's raise our hands. I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray out of your heart. You, whatever, you, whatever you feel like you need to tell the Lord about your life and situation, tell him right now. Father, as we come together in the name of Jesus and we come into a perfect agreement in our heart and in our spirit, we know that nothing can happen unless the Spirit of God gives it to us. And no word can be effective unless it's quickened to our spirit. And Lord, I believe that this word has been quickened to every person's spirit who is standing here right now in the front of this building. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you by the Holy Spirit to expose to them by revelation where it is that the cut came and where it is the wound came but not to dwell on it for the bible says god heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds and in the name of jesus christ today i'm asking you heavenly father to go where no one can go go where no one is able to go by the spirit go where no one is able to go by the holy spirit down into the inner recesses and the inner spirit of every person and god anything that's happened in the past that just keeps coming up relationships that have been broken and there's still a tender spot in their heart and a tender spot in their mind. Lord, let a healing come in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that any, any heavy addiction, anything, God, that binds anybody, and many times, God, wounds lead us to addictions to cover up what's going on in our life. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, let it be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it be broken by the peace of God. God, if we could ever really feel real love and the love that you have for us if we could feel the love that you really have God it would change our entire life forever so I'm asking you to reveal by everybody pray out loud something's going on right now oh dear Jesus dear Jesus help each one God to feel the presence of God not just the presence of God but the love of God and the power of God help them to feel it right now in the name of the Lord. Oh, God, I pray. Break every yoke. Break every yoke. Break every yoke. Break every yoke. Break every power of the enemy. Break every power of darkness. Break every spirit of Satan. Break every hindering spirit in the name of Jesus. Anything that's a spiritual war, anything that is a warfare caused by the powers of darkness, God, build the hedge of your own. Oh, God, build a hedge of your own around them in the name of Jesus. Don't let the harm, don't let the danger, don't let premature death, don't let things happen to your people, God, and to those who are standing up here. Don't let it happen in the name of Jesus. Help them to be free. <laughs> Help them to be free. Oh, God, speak peace. Speak peace to the mind. Speak peace to the heart. Speak peace to the spirit. Everybody that has the Holy Spirit, just raise your hands. Holy Ghost is going to pray. Make whole in the name of Jesus. Make children whole. Make husbands and wives. Make family members whole. It is the will of God for us to be WHOL. Complete, complete. God, take the take the wounds and stitch them up. Help 
things that have happened to be forgotten, forgetting those things which are behind. We, we've got, we have to choose and we have to will to forget the things that are behind and to reach for the things that are before and to press toward God's will in our life. Break everything, every spirit of hopelessness, every spirit of offense, Break it. Peace come to you. Ooh. Ooh. Peace come to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Peace come to you in the name of Jesus. Oh. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've done. What you're going to do. Hallelujah. Take this word. Hide it in your heart. Take this word. Rehearse it over and over again. The word of God, you know the truth, and it's the truth that makes you free. Right? You know the truth, and it's the truth that makes you free. Praise the Lord. I want you all in the altar to hug somebody beside you. Come on, give somebody a hug.